Recorded live. All right, all right, all right. So welcome to the Brothers Comics Comics Corner podcast. I'm Brother Beavis, stepping in for the producer. So once again, cold lamp on with Brother Beavis. Uh, I got Sandman <laughs> on the line. Sandman, you want to say hello? Hey, what's going on? Back again. Good to be back. And Big Hutch. Hey, what's up? All right. So we... You know, we, we always have fun trying to figure out what kind of the next stories to tell, you know, what, what ideas are going to get Big Hutch the most fired up and get him going. So we've, <laughs> we've got an idea. We've been kicking around a couple different sort of uh, crossovers or big stories and, and a lot of more X-Men related. So in, in light of, you know, we've seen with the, the new Secret Wars coming to an end and the Fantastic Four has effectively been written out of their monthly publication scattered over comics. All, all indications right now are that that's going to happen to the X-Men again here. And I I think the, if the, the idea that you know, Disney Marvel is just going to get rid of these publications just to sort of spite uh, whoever holds the remaining of the rights maybe in a bid to get it all back, I think is ridiculous. you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, um, it's hella stupid, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, I don't think that's they can they can't afford to do that. To be honest with you, I mean they, the comics were just kind of just now starting to rebound a little bit with the um, um, the new um, uh, series they've been doing with the you know the uh, well mainly DC with their rebirth stuff. But um, I mean Marvel's doing okay though. But and I thought that was just stupid of them to try to. Um, Kill off the X Men basically is what they're doing. I guess. Well, I guess they're separating them, putting them on another planet or something like that because of the thing with the Inhumans. Is that what it is? I don't even you know. know about it. If they follow the Fantastic Four approach, they'll just like, well, we can't do it without Wolverine, so he's on the Guardians of the Galaxy now, and we'll put what uh, the Cyclops f- in the. New- this is all spent. I'm just making stuff up. But that's what they do with Fantastic <laughs> I'm Four. I'm like, what the. <laughs> Big Hutch about to lose his mind. <laughs> Big Hutch, what's your feelings on this? Uh, this, this what I, me and Disney have had uh, issues since basically the black hole and Vulture Man. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> so that's going back a long way, bro. Yeah, that's right. I, I fucking can't stand Disney, and this is some of the dumbest shit I've ever fucking heard. Let's, you know, just piss away millions and millions of dollars just because we got some type of studio gripe with Sony or whoever. That's dumb. That's dumb shit. Fox, Sony, I don't give a fuck. It's stupid as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from it? my perspective, like, if you, if you if you want to make a big deal about it, like, you got the rights, own the rights that you got, and, like, make a, make a good comic book. Make people care about the comic book more than a movie. But, you know, that'll never happen, yeah. so... Nah. So we're going to say uh, keep your damn Terrigen mist away from our X-Gene. Uh, the humans <laughs> are no substitute for us. We're going to keep the X-Men alive here through a podcast series. And, uh, you know, we can't bust our nut right away and get right into the Dark Phoenix. So we, we're kicking around stories, and we're going to start tonight by going through uh, the Proteus Saga, which takes place in X-Men, Uncanny X-Men issues 125 through 128. So this is about three years after the all-new, all-different X-Men, the international team. Uh, I'm looking at the cover right now, and it's it's got that great old-school comic feel. Forty cents for the book. Uh, mm. uh, 
comic code sticker on it. It's got the team, the faces of the team, Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, and Cyclops in the corner. It's like you have no idea what this is. John Byrne, it just just has a great, like, old-school feel to it. You guys have any Proteus thoughts before we dive into this? Um, yeah, I, um, I was backtracking the way I kind of read the, the, um, this whole saga was I kind of came into X-Men after Phoenix saga. This is, we're talking about in the eighties and I backtracked from there. So I kind of was kind of read it in reverse. So it was a little weird for me, but, um, uh, this is classic. When I think of X-Men, these are the books I think of the John Byrne books and, uh, Phoenix and, um, you know, certainly after that, he kind of stopped not too long after the, the Phoenix saga, but yeah, that's. Classic X Men. That's this is what this, that's what this is. Because this, this is my this is my uh, this is my my wheelhouse. You want to call it? Mm-hmm. I um I, I jumped in. Like I said I I got into the X Men after I I think I got stitches in my head at around one thirty whatever one thirty one one thirty two when they started with the Hellfire yeah. Club. So right. I started from there and then I started backtracking. And then I got into, you know, anything that John Byrne did and Chris and Chris Claremont together, I bought it, and or my brother bought it, the producer. So <laughs> I, when he right, so we had all these books, everything they touched, we bought them, and we have, this is one of the best reads. Or I love the X Men. This is one of the best ever 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 of the X Men. Going through from one twenty one seventeen or something all the way up to about one forty so five or so one forty four. You mentioned the backtrack, and it's funny because I was I was looking at these last night, and and there's the, the one of the trying to trademarks to me of the Claremont Burn stuff was there was always like a little teaser, a page, a panel, or something that was out of place that was either setting up or picking up a story, and it's like. So you pick up this and you're seeing little hints and stuff like, well, what did I miss? So I was like flipping back through some of the earlier issues. I think right. it, it was uh-huh. like up to this point, it was sort of like one continuous story where like almost every every story ends into the next one and they go from like kind of one problem to the next. And, and so Proteus here becomes sort of a nice self-contained story. And it is really uh, sort of the 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 pause for breath and the setup for the dark Phoenix, which is probably going to be coming up on our agenda. So um, right. we'll get into the book here real quick. We're not going to hit a lot of detail, but it starts off. Uh, oh, and we get our back, we get our patented Marvel backstory a few pages in, but I'll, you know, I'll just kind of skip to that. At this point in publication, the X-Men had a knockdown drag out, I think in uh, the Savage land with Magneto and they were separated mm-hmm. such that, uh, Phoenix and Beast were left stranded in the snow, thinking the rest of the mm-hmm. team was dead, and everybody right. else thought they were dead. So, right, right, right. So Phoenix has gone on her little uh, little tour of the world. She's met nice people all over the place, and now she's at Muir Island, and she's getting experimentation by Moira Montagard, and Moira's starting to understand what is the power levels of the Phoenix Force, and, and it's like like nothing she's ever seen. And, you know, Gene doesn't seem too concerned about it yet. So, you know, we're starting to get a sense of, like, wow, there's more to the Phoenix than, than we, we thought. Uh, we've got the, the gray, the green and yellow uh, costume with the sash. Uh, <laughs> so, Classic. Yeah. So, uh, first, then here's here we get into the, the kind of the classic teaser is we have this guy in, in one of the panels standing in the background, you know, and there's just a, a thought box behind them unseen by either 
his light glances off something that had once been a man. And so there's this guy sneaking around. He's hungry, but he has to wait. And you're like, what the, this is what prompted me to go, like, what did I miss? And I'm going back and trying to kind of outline all this stuff. Right. So then we get our we get our 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 backstory that takes us up to where the X Men, uh, the remainder of the X Men have now made it back to the X Mansion, and they're in a pretty classic Danger Room sequence. Uh, the other funny thing here is like you know, Cyclops and like his demeanor as far as like you have ten seconds to do this and you got to do this. It's almost exactly like Professor X from the early issues running them through. Um, uh-huh. Right. So we've got the big takeaway from here is that, um, you know, most people don't take it seriously. They're all kind of individuals. And Cyclops is thinking, like, you know, when is this ever going to become a team? Because the team now is, like, vastly different than what it used to be. There were teenagers that kind of came together, you know, trained as a team. There were several, Angel, I'm looking at you, who were completely worthless but still had a place on the team. Now you've got, like, all these powerhouses. Uh, The team that's training here is Banshee. Cyclops, Storm, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Colossus. Pretty classic lineup. Sam, any thoughts so far? Yeah, this is the classic uh, X-Men lineup that, uh, you know, I grew up with. Uh, Yeah. uh, um, I can't remember where I first saw Wolverine. I think it was actually in a Spider-Man book. uh, uh, Found out that he actually, you know, his claws were a part of his, part of him. You know, that kind of freaked me out because that was like, in the back then, that was like a radical concept. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the, that was another thing. There was one yeah. of those encyclopedia comics where they had like they used to have like a page on all the all everybody and then they had like weapons and I think there was one that had like as if it was a weapon at the you know, this was before that had been revealed. So it had like this retractable claw mechanism and a glove and whatnot. No, that's not exactly how it works. <laughs> right. Right, right. But yeah, um yeah, this is um Classic X Men. Like I said, I keep repeating that. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, got looking at this again. It's great. On display here, Colossus. Colossus. Go. Oh boy. <laughs> um, I, I'm going on pure memory. So, I mean, I'm, I was half tempted to actually go buy these books off of Xology or Comicsology, but I, I'll see what I can do not to do it. Anyway, but yeah, see, Colossus is my my favorite character. Like I, I mentioned before. He's, you know, he's growing up. He's testing out his limits of his strength. I think people are messing with him a little bit. Yeah. Like yeah. Wolverine is, Wolverine doesn't take the whole thing seriously. And so, you know, Cyclops tries tricks on him and just kind of pisses him off. Nightcrawler gets in the fray and he kind of screws it up. And Cyclops is like, you know, guys are pathetic. Actually, you know, <laughs> pathetic people, really pathetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he chews them out pretty good. It's kind of funny, and and on cue, Wolverine, you know, finger pointed at him like, "You shut that butt and blink up." I'm, not, I you you ain't the boss of me. I'm going to have me a brute, and you know, walks out. Storm <laughs> so so damn funny. Yeah. So then and, we have, and this came out this, in real life. This came out in like 1979. 79. Yep. Something like that. Yeah. 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 So then we go to our first interlude, which is Magneto. He's got his pimp cane. He's got his Diamond Dallas page <laughs> wrap on. He's got his raping robes on. They'll try out again in the yeah. Secret Wars. He's kicked back yeah, he watching like his memories yeah. and his wife. And so at this point, Magneto, we haven't really seen, like, Magneto really good. He's always a tyrant, always, like, in favor of mutants. We haven't really got to the, you know, he's, you know he kind of has the same views as Charles and could be good. 
Um, so this is mm-hmm. sort of an interesting picture of him where, you know, he's, you know, he's thinking about his ex-wife, yeah. kicked back. Yeah, and asteroid M, by the way. Yeah, for, yeah. The, for those of y'all that didn't know. He's just chilling. He's, he's healing. This is important. He's healing from his injuries from the uh, fight with the X-Men in the Antarctic base. And uh, Colossus actually hurt him pretty well. Him and I think and Wolverine both kind of messed him up a little bit. So his ribs are all taped up, and he's kind of like, you know, chilling with the pimp cane, like uh, Beavis just said. He's rocking his robes. He's, just, he's, at, he's at home, and he's just, you know, chilling, looking at old tapes of him fighting the X-Men. It's uh, you never see that. It's a uh, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, you never see that. It's like you know, what would Magneto do like when he ain't wearing the damn helmet? You know, when, when he's chilling. And so you know, you didn't get used to see that. You know, that's this is one of the first times I had, in a comic I'd ever seen them. You know, at rest. You know, <laughs> so nice. Um, what nice is, segue. What yeah. does Magneto do when he's not taking over the earth? Watch his TV about <laughs> Magneto trying to take over the earth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That is fun, but yeah. So we go from there into another seg of uh, now we start to get some of Jean Grey's backstory, and we see uh, the reason she's met all these friendly people is because Mastermind uh, Jason Wingard is starting to approach her in in various forms and start the process of turning her into the Black Queen. So we get a couple pages of that where Jean's still kind of exploring her powers, um, and we're starting to see, see Mastermind sort of oddly show up throughout the story, but um, that's going to be going on. We get another scene back to Moore Island with Moore McTaggart, and it, it was funny to read this. I'm like, you know, with the Rose Byrne casting of Moore McTaggart, at least visually, you know, they morphed the whole story with the CIA and whatnot, but she's pretty spot on as far as how she's drawn in this book and, and Rose Byrne from the movies. It's pretty, pretty good match. Huh. I never saw, I never saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We get some Shi'ar stuff. We got to catch everybody up. Professor Xavier is he's trying to hang out with Lavandra, but she's the empress and, and nobody else gives a shit about him. So he starts thinking <laughs> about his students and he starts to become aware of what what's going on with Phoenix and he's got to get back and he senses something's going to happen. So the uh, the finally the story for Proteus starts to kick off and we have another kind of obscure thing where uh, Morris steps on something on the ground and it turns out to be a gold tooth. Uh, and she doesn't understand that, but it's right near the, the the cell where she keeps Mutant X that we've seen sort of in the background in prior issues, and she opens up the door, and without a reveal, she's just very upset. Uh, and it looks like uh, Jean Grey, who's walking around without a cloak and or without a coat, and everybody's watching her show off her powers, she gets jumped unsuccessfully and chases off something we still haven't seen, falls into another mastermind illusion, which is like, well, where does this cat get around? Because he's pretty much everywhere. Uh, yeah, and the scruffy dude from the past shows up, and, and there's just chaos going on in, in these next in these couple, couple pages here. So we cut from mm-hmm. that back to the X-Mansion. Beast arrives, finds out everyone's alive. There's sort of an interesting kind of blue-on-blue fight of Nightcrawler and Beast. Uh, and Beast. doesn't go anywhere. Uh-huh. And the X-Men get on the phone to Muir Island to find out what's going on to get all the gene. And Lauren is in trouble. And that's the end of the episode. There's a, this this period's also very good for cliffhangers. Uh, so teasers for stories to come and that have gone and cliffhangers is pretty much the uh, the uh, the telling point of this era. Now, see, now that's one of those, this is one of those great, like I said, there's a, there, this is leading you to stuff that happened in the past 
It's got stuff that's going on in the present and the stuff that's mm-hmm. planned out in the future. I mean, that's that storytelling at its greatest. If you know, I it right. And when I finally got into the X Men, when I did, you know, I that it grabbed my attention so much that I was like, you know what? I'm only making minimum wage if that at three thirty-five an hour or whatever it was. So you know what? I, maybe less than that. But I'm gonna go go get these books, and those books were. Shit, I had to work three or four hours to get them books. Some things were like five <laughs> or six bucks. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So you actually had the originals back in the day. Right. My, right. We used to go to uh, the local store, Mavericks or somewhere. Maybe the yeah, bookie. Yeah, right. Not, not the bookie Probably, parlor. Well, <laughs> well but, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> no, the Dragon's Lair. Was that, on, that was on Dragon's Lair downtown. Yeah, yeah downtown, you know, yeah. We, Right, and we would go down there and try to buy back issues, and and we would buy them. My, my brother, my brother spent probably good. Well, he spent in in today's dollars probably about two or three hundred dollars on them books. Woo! Damn. Respect they used to be on. Man. They used to be on the wall. <laughs> they used to be on the wall yeah. behind the counter yeah. that you couldn't touch yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. For those for you youngins out there that don't rem- don't know. They still do it in a lot of the uh, comic book shops these days, but the really old and valuable book comic books they put behind the wall, behind on the back of the wall, in um, the envelopes, you know, in the clear uh, plastic. You could see them, but oh, y'all ass couldn't touch them because those were the, <laughs> <laughs> those were the very expensive Holy Grail books. And uh, even right. back then, yeah, these were I guess these were um, well, these were new back then, but yeah, they. Uh, uh, these days, yeah, these are like, yeah, the Holy Grail books and stuff. Always going to be in a plastic. So we get to part two, and the X-Men have, have traveled as fast as they can to Muir Island. Cyclops dispenses everybody. It's, it's, I guess it's important to note that Banshee is with him, but he currently does not have powers because he wore out. I was about to say, yeah. He, yeah, he was out, I believe. That's right. I forgot about that, yeah. But his girl's in trouble, so he's with the team. And they find out they find this husk of a person named Angus McWhirter over the over the sleeping or knocked out body of Lorna, and they're tr- still trying to figure out what's going on. Cyclops or a Havoc and Multiple Man are there as well. Multiple Man looks like he's been through a bit of a fight. There's a bunch of mistaken identity. Finally, everybody figures out there's something going on here. So there's an interesting sequence here, and I'll probably talk about this more at the end, where Cyclops. Uh, having thought Jean is dead, he finds her alive, and you know partially he's still, you know trying to get over his feelings of her being dead, trying to understand what uh, you know what's up with the phoenix. But he approaches her sort of in a in a state of confusion, like what is what is she, what is he feeling, and she's also kind of encumbered by this mastermind illusion takes over. So it's sort of an odd uh, reunion for the you know the the, the first couple of the X Men. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean the way they've yeah, the way they've manipulated Phoenix over the years, it's it's become a pretty convoluted story, but her relationship with Cyclops is it gets interesting. And this is like the second or third time I mean, didn't she when she first got the Phoenix power, didn't she die then too? Yeah, or in so that, when she her body burned up on re entry yeah. and then the Phoenix well they believe that the Phoenix resurrected her. The real the, the story got retconned to where 
the phoenix put her the remains of her body in some cocoon and recover in a cocoon the body yeah. mm-hmm. but, yeah, in the at, the, at the bottom of Jamaica Bay. Yeah. yeah yeah i, I had that yeah, one right kind of. yeah me too yeah also also drawn by john Byrne, ironically but right. uh, <clears throat> fantastic for 286 i believe yeah nerd moment please continue so we get the round table planning storm cyclops team gray wolverine multiple man moria banshee nightcrawler colossus we find out that uh mutant x possessed one of jamie madrox's multiples and split near island uh the team talks about it Mora's particularly upset claims it's a private matter they haven't really figured out the spoiler alert that uh He's her son. Dun, dun, dun. Uh. <laughs> yeah, her son Kevin McTaggart is mutant X. He's got these powers, and she's been trying to cure him of them for this longest time. Uh, he's finally gotten free, and she's got a sniper rifle. She's putting bullets in. So that's her plan for her son. That's her plan. The the doctor with all these degrees thinks that a, a bullet as a gun is going to stop this super mutant. Well, he has some very comic book limitations. I mean, you know, he's a champion's character, I think. He had to purchase pretty heavy limitations <laughs> for his reality warping. Uh, they, they sort of make sense of it. Like, since he, he absorbs all this life energy, he's, he can't interact with organic inorganic material, particularly metal. So, hopefully oh God. metal around. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten that, boy. How, how oh. well, yeah. comic books. <laughs> Um, he he uh, was a potential yeah. member of Force Factor, but you know he didn't. Hey, <laughs> Every, hey you know what? <laughs> You're going to get it, sir. You're going to get it. <laughs> so the team splits up to try and find this mutant X. Uh, strangely enough, uh, Mastermind's still hanging around and manages to trap Jean Grey and some more. Uh, some more uh, uh, illusions. illusions, and the first person, the first person to catch whiff of uh, of uh, of Proteus mutant X is, is Wolverine and Nightcrawler. So Wolverine, of course, takes point uh, and would have been instantly possessed and killed, but he has metal in his body, so he repels mutant X. Um, Nightcrawler tries to kick in, so mutant X uses warping powers. There's some pretty uh, 70s era graphics about what hallucinating via mutant powers is. Storm shows up on the scene, throws lightning bolts, which lightning bolts are not metal, so it doesn't do a whole lot. Um, but everybody's sort of weirded out, wiped out, and we get this uh, as she relies on the winds to guide her powers to hold him back. There's a, a screen of like Wolverine and Nightcrawler out of it, Storm trying to hold him at bay, and and mutant X inching toward her to, to drain her life force. And really excited about it, too, because he needs power. He keeps burning through his body, so he's thinking if he gets hold of Storm, he'll be set for a little while. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. Yeah, and that's basically, yeah, that's how it ends, doesn't it? That's, yeah, that's yeah. the last panel. And this was, and this was a good one. Like, I was reading this, I was like, man, I, I kind of want to see how this happens. You know, that was a, like, <laughs> I like, you know, I, you don't know that she, obviously she's not going to get possessed and die, but, you know, it was a good cliffhanger, so Again, the story well, is like we're, back, well, we're back in the day, though, or 
I mean, the way they were, I mean, X-Men were dying left and right, or seemingly dying left and right. Yeah, So, yeah. You, know, you really don't know. I mean, you could guess that she was going to die, but, I mean, this was high tension. It's true. They did off Thunderbird, and they did, uh, yeah. you know, Banshee's hurt. Um, Gene Gray lost his power. Died. Um, right. So, yeah. Well, comic book death, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> It was only a couple issues and she was alive again. But yeah, um, um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but so, you just—I mean, it was—it was high drama. That's what I see. Right. So we pick up right where it left off in the third part. Now um, she recognizes she can't hold him back with the wind. She tries to fly away. He hits her with the reality warping, and it's donuts for the team. Except. Mora, the sniper, takes over, fires her metal bullets all around him, uh, only to be interrupted by Cyclops, who, you know, he, uh, he doesn't want to see her kill this mutant. And then, in typical Secret Wars fashion, Cyclops gets taken out by Mora McTaggart. Right. <laughs> the butt, yeah, the butt stroke series to the head or something, right? Yeah. No, in the, the gut. In sniper the gut. rifle to the gut and then falls conveniently on a rock and knocks himself out. Oh, here's another here's another champion's weakness, right? So Mutant <laughs> X can't target anybody he can't see. So the storm the storm is still brewing. He can't see who's shooting at him with the sniper rifle and he's he's vulnerable mm-hmm. to metal, so he has to get in a Jeep and so but he can get in a Jeep and drive off. A metal yeah, I, I was just about to say, ain't the damn the Jeep made of metal? Uh, but cop okay, yeah. Never mind. The seats are made of cloth, so right. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully he's got like a uh, steering wheel cover and brake pedal cover, and, and I hope the mirrors don't need adjusted. But right. So the X Men now have had first contact with Mutant X, and it didn't go well. So the team's together, everybody's getting bandages up, and there's a, there's a, a pretty cool sequence for Cyclops fans here. Uh, Wolverine is really rattled here. His, you know, the fact that he got beat, the fact that his senses got all confused by the reality powers. He's sitting there with right. his head in his hands and, and Cyclops is like, Oh, this isn't good. If Wolverine like can't shake this off, he's gonna be a pussy for the rest of his life. So he just starts <laughs> tra- straight out talking. Mm. Wolverine's shaking, drinking his little hot cocoa. And uh I was, <laughs> was gonna say that. Wasn't he drinking tea or cocoa at the time? He's got a cup and he's shaky little hands and uh some mysterious the brown liquid. Yeah. Nightcrawler tries to, no, leave him alone, and, and Cyclops just keeps <laughs> having it. I think this runs faking. And he shoves Nightcrawler and throw, oh, then he throws cocoa, <laughs> hot cocoa in Wolverine's face. Nice. And it's on. Wolverine yeah, it's a big, it's a big move. <laughs> yeah. He gets yeah. judo tossed, so he pops out the claws, and Cyclops doesn't care about that. Does the old ricochet beam off Colossus and blasts Wolverine in the back. Gives him another judo flip in the Nightcrawler. Sets up Nightcrawler, takes him out with the eye. So he's really trying to make up for this whole Maury McTaggart business, I think. Uh, he, <laughs> Storm gets on the on, yeah. the on the action. He takes her out by shooting the ground. And he's like, okay, uh, I was just kidding. It was, you know, he, he tells everybody, like, hey, look, we just got our asses kicked, and I want to make sure you guys all still had something in you. I want to make sure I still had something in you. And so finger-pointing Wolverine comes back around. And he gives him this kind of classic 180 turn on 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 uh, on pretty boy leaders. I ain't thought much of you in the past, psych. As team leader or as a man, I was wrong. 
So that was the beginning <laughs> of this buddy comedy between Wolverine and Cyclops. I, I love the voice uh, adaptation, by the way. Very nice. Yeah, yes. uh, I didn't use the Australian <laughs> voice, but you know. What oh I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us could take it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a nice. Um, that's a nice sequence because it's like Cyclops finally got a chance to treat Wolverine how he's always treated him, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, a complete asshole, and you know, yeah. just kind of beats on him a little bit. You know, I I think he, I'm sure he was kind of uh, getting a little bit of, of uh, payback for all that crap. But yeah, you know, of course, since he's Cyclops and he's the uh, the the good leader, he you know it was all um, a little danger in session. Yeah, like you said, so. I like that. What are your, nice what are your Wolverine thoughts, Big Hutch? And this is one of those sequences before before the Wolverine miniseries, and they made him a, a super badass. That you know, right? Yeah, it did. It did make him. He was. Yeah, he They were still trying to fill out the character. You know, he was still two and a half dimensional at the time. So this little sequence kind of it helped. It really helped out Cyclops. It, it made Cyclops feel like the leader, be the leader. You know, he he took on the challenge. He's he's pumping his team up, and Wolverine. You know, you kind I kind of liked Wolverine at the time, but it, he wasn't like he wasn't fully developed yet, or the story hadn't been right. fully told about him. So this was kind of everything was cool about it. I got a question about Wolverine. Is what is his history before he? joined the X-Men and um but like after he fought like the Hulk was there like in comics was he like an active member of the Marvel universe you know just like doing solo stuff or do y'all know I'm not I'm not sure where the department H fits in that continuity if that was before or in the middle Right because in yeah. theory he was part of some Canadian action um, right, right, right. And actually, right. A, a couple issues prior to this one is the one where Guardian shows up and tries Without, to, yeah, yeah, tries to, Without tries to, right. tries to get Wolverine back. So, but I don't know what the what the chronology was. If if I, I have to believe because he was suited up against the Hulk, so I'm thinking mm-hmm. he was he was mm-hmm. part of Department H. So, oh well, no, in in uh, Giant Size, I think. Well, he's still part. He's still in Canada, part of Department H, and Professor X shows up there and recruits him. Right. That's right. Yeah, because they remember they tried to arrest him when he left, and he just cuts yeah. over the dude's jacket. Is like, nah, dude, I'm leaving. <laughs> but uh, uh, hmm, it's interesting. I might, I might have to try to backtrack and see if I can find some history on that. I mean, and, and not to mention, they they always seem to retrocon or what you would call it, redo the past and. I mean, right. what I thought Wolverine is a bartender and all, all, all that stuff, uh, I, I, I kind of checked out then. But, I mean, he's now, he's, what, 100 some years old? And, I mean, and didn't they, yeah, yeah. he fought yeah, 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 Captain America. He did all kind of crazy stuff. He's basically immortal. <laughs> basically. As far as a human goes, yeah. I mean, he's. Yeah, 100 years old at least, right? Well, at least 90, yeah, I think, right? He's I think World he's War lost II. his healing power in some way, and that's the old man Logan story, so he's, like, old now, and there's a clone of him. But I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah, you could go on forever. <laughs> oh, no, that's cool. Yeah. 
So after it, the it, impromptu uh, danger room session, Mutinex moves on to uh, somewhere down the road. We cut then to Edinburgh, and Morio meets Joe McTaggart again. And Joe's pretty much a piece of garbage. He's the <laughs> mayor or something. He likes having he you know he likes having a Nobel Prize winning wife even if she hates him. So he's not going to divorce her. Uh, and she tells him, uh, you know, the, the secret. Does she tell him at this point? Yeah, she tells him about his son. And, right. And uh, he's uh, yeah. upset that she kept him from him, uh, but it just doesn't go well. And but it doesn't really. Uh, he doesn't really have too much to worry about because his son shows up and possesses <laughs> him uh, about two panels later. So Joe McTaggart is basically dead at that point. Um, right. And yeah, I guess yeah. the implication is that he must be a mutant because um, Proteus senses strength in him that he's that he's felt even more than what he's seen from the X-Men. Uh, Jean Grey is nearly debilitated by the, the release of energy when Joe is absorbed. So I guess the implication is he was probably a mutant, which explains why Kevin is a mutant as well, but I don't know that they explicitly say that. So then yeah. it becomes, now that yeah. he's got somebody with power, he's got a powerful body, he's in a position of power. The interesting thing is, like, he always, he says, like, you know, you left Joe, uh, you know, I'm not going to let you leave me, Mora, and he he grabs up Mora. And it's just like, which is kind of messed up, because she left him because of, to, because of her kid, and she's the one that took care of him. But he's like, right. yeah, you're not going to leave me like my piece of shit dad. That's, that, that's kind of messed <laughs> up. <laughs> it is, it is a... Yeah, there's a strange thing going on right there. Yeah, he, he's kind of he's kind of got it backward there. It's a weird dichotomy they got going there. Yeah. So the X Men fly in Phoenix style. They do a. I guess this is the second time in the story they do the old Colossus bomb, and he they drop him at speed, and he makes a crater on the ground just short. Like if he had been a couple inches uh, uh, up to the right, they could have ended this series right Couldn't there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been useful if he had actually like hit him or something, but oh well, so much for that. So the X-Men throw some powers at him. Proteus has his shit together now, so he pretty much shrugs it off and grabs Moira. The end. Cliffhanger. They're all staring. Now, the the next episode is called The Action of the Tiger? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't remember seeing a tiger, a tiger in the last part. Well, we get to we get to episode four now, issue one twenty eight. You've got a big uh, sort of reality warping picture with Cyclops shooting buildings and bricks flying off and the concrete going crazy, the world going wild. And turn the page, and that's what's going on inside. So the action of the tiger somehow is it has something to do with Joe McTaggart as Proteus ruling the world here. And there's some nice seventies era graphics. Oh yeah. <laughs> I had to laugh because I was thinking about that Oprah thing with the bees. He throws a bunch of bees at people and uh, and Storm doesn't want to kill the bees, so she just has to blow them away. Um, <laughs> Polaris's role in this book is to save people when they fall. So she flies around and if anybody's falling from a height, Polaris just comes in and gets a hold of them. We get our recap right in the middle, brings us back now about the speed. Uh, Banshee wants to get in the middle. Cyclops tells him no because you don't have any powers. And we have the classic stare down. And Banshee gets to do what he wants. And then they all charge. So this whole time, Colossus is now in his human form. So foreshadowing. So they start throwing everything against him. They're trying to wear his body out at least. 
he pretty much, uh, you know, has a solution for everybody. Gets hit by another bullet in the shoulder by Banshee. I don't know why he didn't get, go for the kill there, but then Banshee mm-hmm. gets dropped in a hole. They have to rescue him. More shenanigans. Uh, and somehow, like, uh, Phoenix engages in the in a pretty good fight, uh, but he is able to overcome her as well, which angers Wolverine, who's, you know, got some of He's not drinking his hot cocoa anymore. He's upset, leaps <laughs> from the shadows, you know, gets his metal claws in and hurts him. And then right. they, they pull out yeah. a little summer sandwich, which is pretty nice. We've got Cyclops and Havoc blasting him. Um, um, then so he steps out of the middle of that. We, you know, we get the taste of the Summers brothers can't really hurt each other with their own blast. And we start to set up the final confrontation here with Colossus, a.k.a. Big Hutch's boy, getting yeah. up, climbs up the top of the mountain throws off the mortal form of Proteus and disintegrates it into his his elemental form and then he, he strikes the heart punch, turns into his metal form and basically kills Proteus in a release of energy. Right. Yep. Now didn't didn't he talk <laughs> some shit to him before that though? Or he was talking shit before he Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like so uh let's see what's Proteus try to do to him. Proteus, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So Proteus turns all this fire on him, and, and Colossus starts to think about his brother, Mikhail, mm-hmm. a cosmonaut who died in the fire. So he starts getting pissed off. Um, and uh, then he says, I hear you, Butcher, in my mind, laughing. You enjoy causing pain. Well, let me do my Colossus voice. I hear you, Butcher, <laughs> inside my mind, laughing. You enjoy causing pain. That, that's more like a Dracula voice, but whatever. Before I met you, never understood evil. You are evil, Proteus, but you've made a fatal mistake. You toyed with me when you should have slain me, allowing time to change from Peter Rasputin to Colossus. That mistake mm. will be your last. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. Jobs in the chest, yeah. Yeah. You, would not, you would not believe that this is the same Colossus who would enter into Secret Wars and get, get cuckolded by, uh, by <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Or, yeah, the writer of that series was not kind to Colossus. But, <laughs> was so he, but, uh, he wasn't kind to the X-Men, period. Yeah, no joke. At but least until, like, me, at the end is, of the series. Yeah. But that is an awesome scene that, I mean, I, I see it in my mind where he throws in his fist or something into the into the energy form, and the energy form, you know, dissipates. I think that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's, on like, he's on like one knee with both of his arms right. out above his head, and there's a big spiral of energy coming off on the end. Your mind works pretty good. So thank you very much. Yep. You, you must really care about these X-Men characters. This, <laughs> this, like I said, this is, my, this is my bread and butter. I mean, this is the wheelhouse, if, huh? if I could have applied this to French or studying, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be a genius with a G. However, <laughs> but yeah, 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 that yeah. So the story wraps up with lots of hugs. Mora's upset; she lost her husband, who she hated, and her son that she loved. Um, Banshee's there to you know take over the hugs, and there's a pretty happy picture of all the X Men, and, and it sort of closes with you know today's can truly be called a victory, which is sort of a rare thing for the X Men. So. Yeah, they give him a brief moment of respite. Yeah. Everything's about to go to shit. But this is one of the rare stories that sort of <laughs> actually does end 
and there's a break, and then we go on to something else. So, yeah, that doesn't happen much with the X-Men. That struck me immediately when I saw that. Everybody's happy and smiling. It's usually the exact opposite in any of these X-Men, <laughs> especially these books. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's about all go to shit. Yeah. If this was The Walking Dead, somebody would be about to get turned into a zombie. Just put it down. <laughs> yeah, somebody's about to get bit. Yeah. Now, but, yeah. now let's let's talk about this. Okay, Proteus is one of these characters that I mean, he's only he's he only quoted well at least he, in the start anyway. I believe he was just a one shot wonder. I mean, he was a, he's a great powerful villain. But I think the creators only thought he was going to survive for four episodes, and this was those four episodes. So I looked, I you know, and I hadn't seen him since because I hadn't watched comic books or read comic books seriously. But I looked on the the Marvel Wiki page, and I'm looking Proteus up, and this mofo that came back, and he's been in 291 episodes. What? What is what? I'm on the come back and what? He's been off. He's been all. He's he's come back better than ever. Apparently, they say he's been in 291 issues of stuff. He's in a Star Trek X Men crossover book. Yeah, that's oh, true. But yeah, that's yeah, that's. I think I actually had that book. Believe it or not, um, I vaguely remember it. But yeah, that's not canon. That's outside. Yeah, they're. I don't even remember how the hell they the X Men came in contact with. Captain Kirk in the end of the but I mean, even it sounds even stupid to us. But um, yeah, that's I don't count that. That's not like main universe shit. It's that's. I, I mean, I'm, I was like, I just thought he was a, you know, he was he got killed by Colossus. He's one of those great stories. He was in the he was in the X Men comic book series as a little kid, uh-huh. right? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Kevin. He's it's like funny. eight or nine years old, maybe, something it's, like that. It's funny you bring that up because I was like, I hadn't really read a lot of the earlier stuff, at least in a long time or really that closely. And I was, a lot of the stories are really consistent with, with what they did in the 92 comic or in the 92 cartoon. Like this mm-hmm. one in particular, um, it's a different team, but there's a lot of the same sort of sequences um, mm-hmm. And there's and I was as I was looking at other things, you know, they they actually the cartoon was pretty faithful to some of the the major storylines. Yeah, it was very faithful. Like you said, the team was different, but the they almost went panel for panel with some of the um, um, Proteus um, story for them uh, as much as they could. Anyway, I want to say was, in uh, the amazing. cartoon, didn't Beast put on metal gauntlets and kill Proteus or something like that? I do that, not remember. That I cannot remember either. That's probably right. That's Did a good question. With... I don't remember. So no. his, I'm, I'm looking at his bibliography on Wikipedia. So he's got X, X-Men 125 and 128, which we just finished. Classic X-Men 32, 36, which just reprints. Uncanny X-Men right. Annual 15, New Mutants Annual 7, X-Factor Annual. So he's been a gang of annuals and special editions. I don't think that counts. And then X-Men Legacy <laughs> you know, 233, I don't know what that is. X- Exiles with you, alternate reality. You, you, you know what yeah. he reminds me of? He reminds me of Brody from Dragon Ball Z. Brawly? Yeah, Brawly. Excuse me, that's only Brody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brawly. Yeah, because he only, yeah, because he only existed in the movies, not the uh, regular <laughs> He's series. Right. 
Well, yeah, it's it just depends on what reality you're willing to pay attention to, I guess, because that's very right. true. That's that's a good that's a good uh, comparison. <laughs> now, the Proteus did not come up in our X Men villain podcast, and I think primarily just because he doesn't have the legacy. I mean, he was yeah, he's a one shot wonder. Yeah, he's got some comic book esque vulnerabilities, and he was never heard from again. Right now, I, I'm now I'm reading here, and IGN or somebody. Yeah, IGN put him down as the 77th greatest villain of all time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they must have been kind of, well, I mean, yeah, his probably just for his power sake, because, I mean, he's mad powerful, obviously. He could do anything. I'm going to say um, Mysterio is 76. He doesn't belong on a list of greatest villains of all time. That's, that's, uh, I don't buy that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, right. <laughs> That's a whole that's a whole lot of love of all of all time. Yeah, that's that's a little bogus sound by that either. <laughs> he might be the seventy seventh greatest villain, I mean of the X Men I would say, but eh. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah. Was, yeah. You know, he was more sympathetic in the cartoon because the right. kid came through a little bit more, but you don't really get that in the cartoon and or in the comic and particularly once in the, on the comic book. Joe. Yeah. Yeah, he seems just like a power at mad, crazy villain in the uh, comic. And the cartoon, they made it uh, apparent that it was a, a boy, you know, confused and didn't wasn't in control of his powers, really. He was just kind of, you know, lashing out. So it was a lot more sympathetic uh, character. Yeah, that's you don't get that at all in the in the, um, in the comic, though. Uh, well, I, I like Proteus better as a storyline and a character than I like Legion. I hate Legion. Mm, I don't yeah. like Legion either. Yeah, yeah. Um, they got a, they somehow got a damn show of it on TV now, or, or they will. I don't know how that's going to end up. But, um, yeah, that's a weird character. I've never paid attention to it. Yeah. So a couple but, other things stood out to this. And for me, um, one's kind of trivial and one's kind of more significant. But one was, you guys remember um, after the the Muir Island saga, which was Uncanny X-Men 280, where X-Factor rejoined, they became the gold and, and blue teams, and then there was an all-new X-Factor. So that X-Factor team was Havoc, Lorna Dane, mm-hmm. uh, Old Man, yeah. Strong Guy, and... Um, Wolfsbane, and then Quicksilver, ultimately, which seemed completely random. Um, but here yeah, you have Multiple Man, uh, Havoc, and Polaris all together on Muir Island, and it's like, oh, I guess that wasn't as random as, as it was. I mean, their you know, previous associates hmm. spent time on yeah. Muir Island, so they added Wolfsbane at the time was bonded to Havoc because of the mutate process, and Strong Guy just happened to be there recovering, so hmm. yeah, it, it's Starts to make a little more sense, at least. The the other thing that that was really interesting to me. So I've been trying to like. Uh, so I quit reading comics pretty much in like 2001, and I've been trying to figure out sort of where I left off and stuff like that. And one of the things I was reading, and, and really one of the things that made me stop reading, was the Grant Morrison run on New X Men, because mm-hmm. I uh-huh. couldn't stand the art. Because they went yeah. to the art was weird, and they went to like the movie style uniforms. They completely mm-hmm. changed the design of the beast. Um, right. They, yeah, you look like a cyclops yeah. and Jean Grey are having relationship no, no, no. problems. And, it, and you know, right. I, we talked about one of the great things about the X Men was, was you know they had this 
you know, it's going to sound strange to say this, but they have this, like, rock-solid continuity. You know, all the things, this whole thing is tied together. And so when you deviate from that, it's, like, that much worse. You know, when when we, when they just start randomly changing things about the stories that were set together so kind of cohesively over the span of years, and I say it's kind of hypocritical because of, you know, the, the Jean Grey retcon that we'll get into here after a while, but... You know, that's to me is like that's the reason that it bothers me when you mess with continuity is because so much effort went into it, and particularly in this era. But when you look at it, when I when I look at it now, I was particularly looking at it from the from a Cyclops perspective. So in in the Grant Morrison run, Cyclops had just returned from um, from being possessed by Apocalypse, and so his world's kind of shaken in, the re- in that regard. He and Wolverine are out on this sort of buddy adventure with this sort of begrudging respect for each other. And, you know, he's got <laughs> issues with Jean Grey because she's starting to manifest the Phoenix Force again. And he's got his right. own concerns. All those things are happening in this story. You've got, I mean, you've got here again, you know, Scott is coming to terms with the feelings that he had when Jean was dead. I think in an issue prior to this, he had already, like, been out dating Colleen Wing. You know, he's already sort of rebounding from that. So this idea of, like, Cyclops is he's always sort of, like, pursuing the relationship, but he's terrible at it. It's like he doesn't want to be alone, but he has, like, no father, no husband figure that he can draw from. He's just terrible at these relationships. And he pursues them because he doesn't want to be alone, and then they fall apart. So all those things that when I read it on the Grant Morrison run, I was like, what is this crap? This is It's actually, like, now that I can see it's it's really consistent with these earlier stories, and so uh, when I was reading rereading that just recently, I, I got if I don't look at the art as much because uh, I still can't fuck with Frank quietly. Uh, he's incredibly <laughs> talented, much better artist than I am, but I can't fuck with his art style. Uh, right, you know I, the stories are actually really good, and I think a lot more consistent with um, the X Men than I originally gave him credit for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that during that I was absent during that whole um, run uh, uh, run on New X Men too. I didn't find out until way afterwards that Jean Grey had become Phoenix again and died again, and I was like, "What the fuck?" You know, it kind of pissed me off. I remember when I heard about it, I was like, "What the hell are they doing? Did they just redo the Phoenix saga again?" And <laughs> you know, and. I don't even know. Like, did she come back in any other form since then? I mean, I know they no, manifested well, hope and all that, whatever. I don't know anymore. But. The, the way it works is, so she starts to manifest the Phoenix Force again, and they get, right. her and Wolverine get sent into the sun. And when her body gets destroyed in the sun, she right. then fully manifests the Phoenix Storm, reconstitutes her body, and they return to Earth. She's killed by Magneto. And right. That that starts a patented X Men alternate reality where everything falls apart, and it's because Cyclops left the X Men after she died. So she, from an alternate reality, comes back, encourages him to continue his life, enter into a relationship with the White Queen, and return to the X Men. Mm-hmm. Right, so, I remember that. Yeah. Now, I think there's a couple other stories where people re like get try and remanifest the Phoenix Force or resurrect her, but I don't think any of that sticks. But what 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 ultimately happens is an earlier version of the X-Men comes back or comes in, is drawn into the future by Beast and that Jean Grey is still active in normal continuity. Mm, right. The young Jean Grey from the past. Right. 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 The young Jean Grey. So. Right. 
Whew, boy, you, you really can get a headache thinking about it sometimes. So <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to like catch up on this stuff, but when you skip it for 15 years, first of all, it's like where do you start? And then it's exactly. like trying to piece all this stuff together. So I read a little yeah, bit of the really even. early stuff. I read the Grant Morrison run, and now we're getting back into this. Right, right. All right, so we'll set the stage. So we are we are panels away from a story we've probably referenced in just about every other comic corner podcast we've done, uh, the Phoenix Saga. So uh, anybody want to tease that? Uh, you know, we've, we've we've thrown out various pieces of it. Uh, Phoenix Saga is next. Uh, anything stand out for you, Sandman? Uh, of the Phoenix Saga, it's probably the, as far as Marvel goes, probably their one of their premier storylines ever. There aren't a whole lot of other ones uh, that come to mind that are bigger than it. Um, I kind of put X. Well, it didn't put X Men on the map, but it really blew up uh, X Men after that. You know, that's when you really started hearing them consistently. You know, uh, outside of just comic book geeks. Um, you know, when they started transitioning to uh, television more, you started seeing them in, um, um, well, not not Pride of the X-Men or anything like that. Jean Grey wasn't in that, but that's when, you know, the X-Men started um, uh, transitioning to TV um, more and more. And, um, um, yeah, it's just a huge uh, storyline. Um, those are my memories yeah, of it. Yes. What are yeah. you looking forward to? Um, I want to jump on this. I mean, I think this is the probably this is the premier best story that the, that Marvel has ever put out. This between the one thirty or the Phoenix Saga. From I guess you want to start with the Hellfire Club, or I guess you could start really from where we just started with Proteus up to yeah, it leads right into it. Yeah, right. So I mean, this is the story that keeps getting retold and retold. It's been retold at least three times now in mass media. So I I, have, I I can talk about this all the time. It is my, I mean, it is my Three Musketeers. It's my all-time, uh, it's my Moby Dick. This is what I always go to when I when I have time. I guess I'll reread it. I've been rereading it. It's one of the greatest stories ever. All right. Well, we, so we got our, our Proteus. Our X Men Proteus foreplay in this week. Uh, we'll be ready to bust our nut for the next call. I think we'll finish this one up in, in an hour, less than an hour. Uh, so we, we've we've got brought you into the world of Chris Claremont and John Byrne X Men. Don't listen to Disney, Marvel, uh, Inhumans. No, mutants. Yes. Uh, you, you know, if you're going to make my X Men Inhumans, then I'm going to stop making you my Marvel. So. We're going to keep it real in the comic corner. Uh, keep the X-Men right. alive. Hopefully by the time we finish, maybe they'll be back in publication. So, Sam, man, you got any parting shots? Um, no, just looking forward to the uh, Phoenix Saga on the next episode, and uh, we'll see you all again next week. All right. Big Hutch? Uh, yes, uh, Colossus is number one. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> excuse me, what, what's the most the laughing, yo? What's with the laughing? Just admire your admire your loyalty. We're laughing great, with you, that big host. I was thinking about this today. <laughs> like, there's a great scene coming up with him and Gladiator. Is one of the one of the better parts of that oh, fight. Yeah. On yeah, right. Damn, he always loses though. But other than that, yeah. 
Yeah, that makes him now. He's, the fact that he keeps fighting, even though he always loses, that's what makes him a hero, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, there you go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, the, my muties. <laughs> you got some more? All right. Hey, this. I'm. I'm ready. I'll be next Thursday. Uh, this is uh, another brother's comic at its finest. We'll be back here at nine o'clock next Thursday. That'd be. August 4th, and uh, thanks for listening. All right. All right, then. Peace. Peace.